depression, anxiety, talk about it with me. Strange brain, same page, safe place, therapy is great, and this ain't the same, but we're crying behind sunglasses anyway. Crying behind sunglasses. Hey, welcome back to Crying Behind Sunglasses, a mental health podcast for cool people. I'm your host, Katie Dahl, and happy to have you here. Uh, is it a happy time in the world? No, it's insane, but I'm happy to be doing this. That's what gives me joy. And yeah, I am really glad that we have been doing these weekly Zoom calls if you want to get in on them, I highly recommend it. If you check out our Facebook group at facebook.com slash crying behind pod, or if you follow me on Instagram, um, I always post about them, but it's every Monday at 5 p.m. PST. And it's a safe Zoom call where we can just like vent about our mental health issues and the group has been growing and we've been having these really candid conversations and someone in the call the other night they said that even though the world is difficult right now especially with what happened with Jacob Blake recently with that shooting the opportunity is there for a global return to empathy because we have to heal and the only way we can heal racism systemic racism other than obviously political action and protest is that we have to be able to change people's hearts and change their minds and the only way that people can change how they see others is through empathy so i hope that in some sort of small way with this podcast and a lot of people caring about their mental health and finally going to therapy for the first time that this could start a revolution of a return to empathy. I mean, look at Brene Brown. She made vulnerability seem like a cool thing in pop culture, and that's that's happening. So I think it's real. I think things are changing. Also, disclaimer, this podcast is not meant to be a substitute for therapy or medical advice. I know it's shocking, but I am not a doctor. So please, if you are actually having some sort of mental health crisis, then you can call the National Suicide Prevention Hotline or 911 or reach out to your doctor and make sure that you get some real actual medical help. But you know, if you're just having a normal shitty day, then this podcast's great to listen to, I promise. I'll put you back in a good mood. I'll do it. <laughs> and if you're new around here, please remember to subscribe to this podcast. We've got new episodes coming out every week now. And if you can leave an actual review on iTunes, it really helps us to get the word out and help more people to laugh about their mental health issues. So that would be really awesome. And if you want to check us out on Instagram or Twitter, it's at cryingbehindpod. The episode guide, which will have all of any movies or TV shows or books or other things that my guest and I talk about, you can find that on cryingbehindpod.com along with other mental health resources. And I am super duper stoked about today's episode. I feel like I'm always excited. This one's a fun one. Today, I had the pleasure of talking to Jesse Esparza. He is a comedian, a writer, and currently he's writing on season two of Mixed-ish. So we got 
into what it's like being in a writer's room and being able to build your confidence in that space. We talked about his first panic attack, which was, oh my God, such high drama. It was on a uh, Southwest flight. So we'll hear more about that and also why it's so important to reach out and seek help. And no spoilers, but we also got really into talking about Whitney Houston and how divas like that inspire him in his life. So, yeah, I hope you enjoy. Today, we have my friend, the man, the myth, the legend, Jesse Esparza. Um, You may know him from the UCB stage. He had shows that he wrote and performed in, such as Cartel O.L., um, Tanya Harding, the musical, and most recently, he has been a staff writer on the hit show, Mixed-ish. Hello. Welcome, Jesse. Wow. Thank you so much for having me, Katie. I've just, we've been waiting for so long. <laughs> really? A couple weeks. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I just like to build up anticipation, you know, because yeah. I feel like then by the time we get to talking, then it, you just, you're just going to let it all out because you can't wait to tell me everything about your entire life. Exactly. Great. I'm so ready. I'm so prepared. <laughs> you brought you brought some notes. Brought some notes. Yeah. yeah. A couple notepads. It's great. <laughs> yeah. So I remember I saw you a few weeks ago because we did like a distanced hang with our dogs. So I got kind of a picture of what your quarantine life is like. But do you care to fill in people on what, what it's been like for you during the lockdown? Like what's your day to day like? It's been great. I live alone, uh-huh. which is great. It's great. I think I'd rather live alone than live with another person. Like my roommate moved out last year and I, you know, I've been on my own since. And once quarantine happened or COVID happened or whatever, I was like, oh, I wouldn't, couldn't imagine living, living with someone else, you know, like literally being with them 24 seven. I'd kill, I don't care who it would be. I would kill them, you know? <laughs> Um, and I think the first couple of months was easy for me, you know, because I was like, oh, I get to stay home. Are you kidding me? And just watch TV all day. And it was great. It was good. But then I think in the middle section of the, you know, months or whatever, that's when I was like, huh, I haven't talked to anyone in 24 hours, you know, or like, oh, I haven't like, you know, gone out, you know? And so it, it became, it wasn't hard, but it was just a, a change that I didn't realize, you know, until it happened, you know, people would always ask, aren't you lonely? And I'd be like, no, I love this. I have the whole place to myself. I can watch Tiger King over and over whenever I want. Yes. You know? <laughs> I thought it was great. You know, I, I was the least productive I've ever been, you know, like I should have been working or writing or doing something like I was teaching classes at UCB every now and then, but like most of the time was just committed to just like literally sitting on the couch I'm sitting on right now and watching TV. <laughs> but you were, you were on hiatus. Like you had just come off of working. Yeah. So. Yeah, <laughs> I know. But that's when people are like, oh, you should write a movie or you should write like more pilots. And I was like, fuck that. I'm not, you know, I'm not, you know, I don't like my back being pushed against the wall when it comes to that stuff. So I was like, when inspiration hits, that's when I'll do something, you know? I feel it's- that. I'm kind of the same. I can't. It's very difficult for me. Like, I don't know how you do it as a staff writer where you are like have a deadline and you have to write all the time. I guess because you're with other people in a writer's room, maybe it's easier. Here's a secret. So easy. (laughs) (laughs) But like being on your own and writing a screenplay, like 
you do have to wait, at least for me, uh, I have to wait until I'm really, really inspired. And then even then, I might write out some sort of rough outline, but it might be a year later before I can actually flesh it out. Exactly. Like I, <laughs> I bought Save the Cat and then I read it like sections, you know, and I put like note cards up on my closet door, like with t- tape or whatever. And that's as far as I got, you know, I was like, I can't do this. A movie's hard, <laughs> it's like a hundred pages. That's too much. Yeah, that is. And um, yeah, for me, like, I feel like if I get myself too harsh on the deadlines, then it just triggers my anxiety. And then I have to remember like, oh, no one's actually asking for this. Exactly. I'm just (laughs) building all this pressure in for no reason. I guess I'm ultra type A, so I have this little engine inside of me and I have a running to-do list that just is never completely done. (laughs) Yeah, I'm the same way where I was just like, oh, I have to get this done. It's the perfect time. But then I just lost interest you know but it sounds like lately you're back to work you're working on mixed dish mm-hmm. yeah back in the room so that's been really cool like it's not as time consuming as i thought so it's been really good yeah it's been great it's been great to like see people even though it's over zoom you know but seeing mm-hmm. the same people every day and being in a routine i think i'm someone who really likes a routine you know so like when i was you know when i had hiatus or was going through hiatus I just didn't have a routine, you know? Mm. It was just like, oh, literally just waking up and doing nothing. So I like being on like a scheduled thing. I think that really helps me. Yeah. Would you say that being on a routine really helps you like with your mental health as well? Yes. To talk about that, that's, I mean, so the first couple of months of COVID quarantine was fine. I was like, I'll get over it. But then I started having anxiety attacks, you know? I had one anxiety attack during Christmas, it was when I was flying back from Sacramento to Los Angeles. And I was, I didn't I remember it vividly. I was just going up an escalator at the airport. And like, I had like my heart, like skipped a beat or something. And I was like, oh shit, you know? And I started worrying, you know, of like, oh fuck, what if I have a heart attack? You know, like, what if I have a heart attack on the plane? What if something happens? And like, there's no, you know, I, I just was going through it at the time, like in my mind of like, all the worst things that could happen because I guess that's what I do. (laughs) And so my flight wasn't for another hour or two. So I was literally in the airport, just like, Oh, what, you know, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? I'll be fine. I'll make it. I'll make it a doctor's appointment. When I get back, it'll be fine. We get on the airplane, put my stuff in the overhead compartment. I sit all the way in the back because Burbank has those wonderful, you know, exit doors where you can either exit on the, in the back or uh, in the front. So I go all the way to the back and I'm dying. You know, like my heart is racing. I'm like, oh fuck, what am I, you know, this isn't good. I don't like this feeling. And I started reading a magazine because that's what I do on planes, but I couldn't focus, you know, and I couldn't listen to music. I was like, what the fuck, what the fuck? And then the plane started to do its little lap or whatever. (laughs) It's, wait, wait, hold on. The plane was doing its lap. You mean it was taxiing? Yes, ready to go. It was ready to you know, fly off. I don't know what it's called, Katie. Get out of here. <laughs> oh, you didn't know that I was also an air traffic controller on the side? There's your many talents. I love it. <laughs> so it was taxiing, I guess. And I was like, I can't do it. And so I hit the button for the stewardess to come by. And I was like, I have to get off of this plane. <laughs> and she was like, are you serious? And I was like, yeah, I'm having a medical emergency. I think I'm having a heart attack. <laughs> 
<laughs> Wait, was this your first ever panic attack or had you had one before? No, this was it. This was my first one. And oh. I didn't know, you know? And so I was like, I got to get off of this plane. And there was like a 16-year-old girl sitting two seats away from me that was like, oh my God, are you okay? And I'm like, it's fine. You know? And so the woman has to like call the captain. He has to, and the plane, it was already late, you know? It was already late from taking off. And so the captain was like, ladies and gentlemen, we have to get back to the gate. Someone's having a medical emergency. And I'm just like, fuck me. And of course, I'm in the back of the plane. So I have to walk past every single person in the aisle. And I'm just like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And I think I remember someone going, it's okay, I hope you're okay. You know, and I'm like, get the fuck out of here. And so I go to the emergency room. <laughs> oh my God. Wait, wait. Every step of the story, like it's so public. It sounds so embarrassing. It was wild. I mean, I, you know, I, you love, you know me, I love going out with a bang. And so this was a bang. This was, you know, stop everything, go back to the gate. I'm definitely going to walk this aisle, you know, and the stewardess wouldn't let me carry my bag. She like carried it for me. Cause she was like, do you need a wheelchair? Are you okay? I'm like, no, I'm fine. Oh my God. High, high drama. Very on brand. Yes. Yes. It was, it was terrible. But anyways, yeah, and so, like, my mom picked me up. She's like, what's wrong? You know, I'm like, I just, let's just go to the, to urgent care, you know? And so we went to urgent care, and I was just like, oh, fuck me, this is crazy. Waited, like, an hour or two, got, saw the doctor. He did an EKG on me. Oh. <laughs> like, I actually had a heart attack. I don't know. I just, I don't know what was wrong. I just know that I never felt that before. You know, I never went through that before. Like, I remember as a kid, I think I had a panic attack when I was probably, like, in third or second grade. But I don't remember having anything like that as an adult. There's a lot of stuff on social media. I know a friend of mine is, like, 32 or whatever. And, like, she was like, oh, I went to the doctor one day because I had shoulder pain. And they said I had a heart attack. And I had I survived three heart attacks without knowing it. You know, so I think my mind goes there of like, me too. What if I, you know, what if oh, it's me? Yeah. What if I had a heart attack too and didn't know, you know? Yeah, no, well, actually, I can relate a lot to your story because the first time I had a, a panic attack, I think as an adult, I was at the end of college and I also thought I was having a heart attack and I also went to the hospital uh, in New York. So it is because you don't know, like you've, it's this heart racing, crazy feeling and you, you do feel like you're gonna die. And yeah. <laughs> I mean, I honestly don't think it was that bad, but it was a thing of just like, you got to be, I got to know, you know, I have to be, I have to be cleared by a doctor, you know? So we went to urgent and it was, yeah, I, we went to urgent care. They did an EKG. He was like, you're 30, you're fine. You know? And I was like, I don't know. My friend had a heart attack and he was 32. Oh my God. Wait, I love how you like almost whips, whispered your age. You were so ashamed to admit you're so cute and so young. <laughs> I know whatever I'm over it but um so he just kept being like well did you drink coffee today and I was like yeah and he was like how much and I was like I don't know a cup and he's like that was probably it and so he basically just gave me an okay and you know people drag southwest to hell and back but I'm like I called southwest they got me a flight that night I flew and they didn't charge me or anything it was great so I ended up back in LA that night made an appointment to the doctor went to the doctor and God bless her. She was probably like 20, she was like 25 or 26, you know, like she was wearing high heels, you know, it's like that type of doctor, you know, <laughs> and she was just like, you seem fine, you know? And I was like, oh, okay. And she was like, 
you know, if you are going through anxiety, I'd love to know the cure for it too, you know? And I was like, oh, you're not helping me at all. Wait, <laughs> so know? she didn't even know what to do. And then, I mean, because she was just a general doctor, like a physician, because yeah. she wasn't a therapist or a psychiatrist, so she was not as well-versed in those things. But you would think, yeah, norm- she- normally when you go to a normal doctor, they would say, oh, you're experiencing anxiety, let me refer you to someone. Yeah, right? but I, again, I am ageist so i think she was just a dumb young doctor who was just like hey girlfriend you're gonna be okay you know and i was like well okay and so after that in my head i was like okay i'll be vegan for a little bit and see if that helps (laughs) (laughs) wait so at no point did you think it was anxiety you just thought it was like a heart problem I thought it was, I thought, I knew it kind of probably was anxiety, but I just didn't know what to do about it. And it hadn't happened since, you know, it wasn't like an ongoing thing. Right. And my way of dealing with things is just ignoring it, you know? That's and a so great like, way. <laughs> Perfect. It's great. I, I think I was like, okay, well, it hasn't happened since. I think I'm fine. I'll just be vegan. It'll probably help. It was maybe high cholesterol. I don't know, you know? And so I was like, I'll, I'll deal with it. And so I, was vegan and I told everyone I was vegan it felt good for a couple of months you know just like sorry I can't have the cheese I'm vegan you know and it very aggressive (laughs) exactly you gotta let people know I mean what else do you have why else are you doing it but um and I think that's what happened I ignored it and I I guess I ignored it because I usually am very busy with like shows and teaching and writing and other stuff and every you know I'm very busy and I think with the COVID thing like everything shut down so I was no longer busy so I had no nothing to like keep me busy to keep ignoring this thing you know and so that's why it started happening around maybe March or April you know where it just hit me you know where I was like oh shit this feels weird I don't know how to describe it I think the first I was watching Survivor enjoying myself enjoying my life and then it hit me it's like you know when you smoke weed I don't smoke weed that often but it's like you smoke weed and like it's like you move and then you don't feel yourself moving for a couple of seconds later you know it's kind of like it's kind of like slowing down that happened to me you know and I was like what the fuck I literally said like what the fuck out loud I was like this is weird I don't like it you know my heart started racing and I think it's just the thing of like I just keep thinking of the worst things that could happen, you know? And I think that definitely causes it to get worse and worse and worse. And this is at a time when I didn't have health insurance. And I think that had something to do with it too, where I was like, oh God, if I go to the doctor, it's going to be like $30,000. I'm going to be paying bills forever. And so I just took a Tylenol PM and like just took a nap, you know? I, uh, I was like, I'll just sleep it off. And so I turned on like, rain sound effects on my iPhone and just like tried to sleep, couldn't do it, popped the time off PM, ended up sleeping, woke up and felt okay. And the next day I felt a little weird, but it, then I felt better and I was like, okay, I'll be fine. And then it kept happening, like not maybe every week or every other week. Was there like, like a specific trigger that would lead up to it or was it just out of nowhere? It was just out of nowhere. Oh, okay. I, I don't know what, I don't know what I was, one time I was watching Survivor, one time I was about to go to bed and I was watching vocal coaches reacting to singers. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wait, wait, okay. I need to take a pause. What is wait. this vocal coaches reacting to singers? I didn't get into this weird internet 
Okay, now these are uh, vocal coaches. These are vocal coaches who react to singers. <laughs> like, and are they judging them? Like, oh, this person's not a good singer? Uh, yes, but I watch, I mean, I only watch the good ones. Like, I watch a lot of the Whitney Houston ones where they're like breaking down, because I love Whitney Houston. You know, she's like the best singer ever. And, you know, I always sing I Have Nothing at Karaoke. And I think it's great. But they really, I'm like, she's a great singer, but I don't, I don't sing. I don't know music, but they do such a good job of breaking it down. You know, like she's back phrasing here and she's really like, you know, changing keys here and she's really using her breath here. And it's just really cool to see universally everyone really praises her. This is really a sidebar. No, it's fine. I just was very interested. And I also love Whitney. Uh, And I remember like in your apartment, you've got uh, cardboard cutouts and, pictures of yeah. different iconic women that you love who, who do you have in there uh it's a cutout of celine dion uh-huh it's a huge oversized poster of whitney houston there's uh, a, a big framed photo of jennifer lopez and a canvas portrait of angela bassett and then another framed photo of cardi b after she threw the shoe at Nicki minaj <laughs> so it's a plethora of yeah really really but- nice divas you know what's so cool about that? I feel like it makes your entire living room into almost a vision board where you're looking at these people who you admire for whatever it is, if it's their spirit or their talent or their spunk or Cardi's mm-hmm. sassiness after throwing that shoe. And like, exactly. it, pro- it probably lifts your mood. Yeah, it does. You know, like when my roommate moved out, I was like, oh, I have the place to myself. I can redecorate. And I'm like, I don't want to put fucking art up. You know, like I'm not an artistic person. I don't like museums, you know? So I was like, I'll just put up celebrities. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, so I know a lot of the people who listen to this podcast are also actors and artists. And that's why I'm really excited that I am partnering with thrivingactor.com. They offer all kinds of free resources that will help you get started on your career, even in the middle of a pandemic. There is still a lot you can do for your acting career, networking, branding, building your side hustle to support your dreams, honing your self-tape setup, you know, the list goes on. And I know it can be very confusing, so it's nice to have a place that has good, solid advice that is current and fresh, and that's why I'm so happy that um, Thriving Actor reached out to sponsor this pod, and I want you to check it out. So if you go to thrivingactor.com or if you search on Facebook, you can look for the Thriving Actor private Facebook group. They have Q&As with industry professionals. And all kinds of other stuff to help you get started that's totally free. So, yeah. Get after it. Therapy has been the single biggest tool for me to be able to overcome my anxiety, get through crises in my life, or honestly just say a bunch of weird thoughts out loud to someone without being judged. My dog judges me more than my therapist does. So... I want to help you help yourself, and that's why I'm so, 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 so excited to announce that BetterHelp is now a sponsor of Crying Behind Sunglasses. Woo! 
BetterHelp is a site that provides affordable private online counseling. They match you with a qualified therapist within 24 hours of signing up. That's fast, y'all. Um, so if you go to betterhelp.com slash crying behind pod, uh, that's BetterHelp, H E L P, then you can get 10% off your first month. You get to feel better and you'll be helping to keep this podcast going. So thank you. And there are also like a ton of very generous financial aid options available on their site. So don't worry if you can't afford it, they can help you out. And what I love also is that on their site, you can choose your therapist and you can choose how you talk to them. You can do a video call or just a phone call, real-time chat or direct messaging. And they're all real therapists. These aren't just random people on the internet. They're certified, they're trained, they have at least three years of experience and 2,000 hours worth of hands-on experience helping people. Or I guess during COVID, it wouldn't be (laughs) hands-on, but you know, uh, through the computer now. So yeah, I'm here to help you help yourself. And I'm so excited that we're partnering with BetterHelp. So go again to betterhelp.com slash crying behind pod and you'll get 10% off your first month. You'll be helping me. I'll be helping you. And I just hope that they'll help you feel better. You were saying before that you had gone to this young doctor and then I think later on you ended up, did you go to therapy at all? Yes. And so this kept happening, right? Where I was like, oh shit. I feel weird, you know, at my heart, you know, I started having like little anxiety attacks and then the next day I'd feel even worse because I was like, oh God, I was like expecting it to happen, you know? I was like, oh God, it's going to happen again today. Am I ever going to be better? You know, and I am 30, you know, I never dealt with any of this before and I think it is because I have just been ignoring it a lot. You're, you know, I've just been keeping mm-hmm. myself busy where I don't think about a lot of this a lot of the time, you know, like I've never had to think about it or go to a therapist at all. Not that there's anything wrong with it, but I just haven't felt the need to um, until now, you know, and I think it's because of the shutdown. It's because we're always inside. It's because I have nothing else to do but think about it. And so it it started chipping at me where I was like, oh, God, is this my life now? You know, am I just going to be having anxiety attacks every day? Am I just going to be having to worry about things every day? Am I going to have to worry about my mental health? And I was like, oh, and I just got insurance in July. So I was like, I got to go to therapist. You know, I think my whole life I was like, I'll never, I don't have to go and I will go if I ever do need to go, you know? And so I was like, I got to do it. I went through my insurance. I looked up a bunch of like therapists. It's really hard finding one. It's not hard finding one, but I'm very like, not picky, but like when there's a lot of options, I'm just like, Oh God, am I going to make the right decision? No, it is. It is over. It's overwhelming. And it actually, it is hard to find a therapist. It's like, It's like dating or shopping for a big purchase, you know, because I've gone through that process more than once because sometimes even if I really like the therapist at the end of the year, they're like, oh, I'm not taking insurance anymore. So then I got to go find someone new. And it's weird because the first few sessions, it's not like you're actually doing the work. You're just kind of telling them your story. Yeah. And yeah. Hoping for the best. <laughs> I finally found one. My my friend recommended a psychologist. They pres- no, they prescribe stuff, don't they? No. Yeah, my, a psychiatrist. My friend suggested a psychiatrist. Wait, so psychiatrist is the one who prescribes stuff. Yes. And then okay, a- backtrack real quick, real quick. Wait. Okay. Yes. <laughs> I, got, I got my insurance. Yeah. 
I went to the doctor. I told them what was happening. They wanted to put me an, on an antidepressant, you know, and I was like, I don't know if I need that. Like, I'm open to that if that'll make me feel better. But I was like, can I just have something to stop the panic attacks when they happen? You know, mm-hmm. so he was like, okay, great. And then he prescribed me lorazepam or Ativan. Yeah, you know? I've just, taken like, that before. It's yeah, great stuff. For, I guess for panic attacks, right? And so I was like, okay, great. And so I had that and that made me feel better, you know? Then I took a trip. <laughs> Don't want to get into the long story, but I took a trip to Monterey to visit family. And it happened again, you know, where I was having a little bit of a panic attack. And I was like, oh shit, what's happening? And I was with my mom, my aunt, and their friend. My mom and I were staying in a hotel room next door to them. And so I was like, I got to go to bed. It was my classic. I got to go to bed and sleep it off. You know, so I went to the hotel room next door. And then my mom was just like, what's going on? Tell me, you know, and I'm not that open. I'm open with my mom, but not so much, you know, Mm -hmm. right. I just didn't want her to worry about me. You know, I think that's every child's fear, you know, that your parents are going to worry about you or maybe not, but I just didn't want her to worry about me, you know? So, but I was finally just like, Maybe it'll make me feel better. And so I was telling her everything that I was going through. You know, I was like, I've been having anxiety attacks. I don't know what's happening. I don't want to be crazy. I don't want to, you know, all this other stuff, you know. And I think it just felt so good to get that off my chest, to like express that to some other person, especially my mom, you know, where I was like, these are all the things that I'm going through. And she was like, it's going to be okay. I took a half of an Ativan. It felt great, you know, but I think... Just being, because I think I'm the type of person, too, that keeps a lot of stuff in, you know? And I, I am the type to ignore it and just go past it and distract myself with other stuff. And I think just getting that out and talking about it really made me feel a lot better. And so that made me feel good. Then I met with a psychiatrist. Yes, the psychiatrist uh-huh. is the one that prescribes stuff. Yes. <laughs> talking to her. And even that, just talking to her felt great, you know? And I told her, went to a doctor. He had, he got me on Ativan. I have it. It's perfect. And then she just prescribed, she didn't prescribe it. She was like, take these vitamins. I'm sure you'll be okay. And I was like, okay. Took the vitamins. Then met with a therapist that I met. I didn't meet, but I looked to her up online through my insurance. And I don't know what it was about her, but just like her picture and her profile, I was like, oh, this old woman seems great. And I love an old woman, honestly, as a therapist, my psychologist, like there was a lot going through my mind too, of like the 25 year old doctor. I didn't want that. You know, I didn't sure. want a man cause all men suck. They're toxic and they're horrible. And I'd probably fall in love with one, you know? So I was like, old woman key, let's do it. And so I finally met with her and just literally talking on the phone with her, like setting it up made me feel a lot better, you know? Cause she yeah, was cause like, you oh. knew that you were going to have this comforting older woman that was going to listen to your problems. And I understand what you're saying because when I've been therapist shopping, sometimes I get suspicious if they're too close to my age. I'm like, I want someone who's wiser than me. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I'm like a 30 year old doesn't know anything. A 40 year old (laughs) probably doesn't know anything either. You know, I wanted like an older, and this was an old, like broad, you know, like from like New York or whatever, you know, or I was like, you're going to keep it real. This is great. And then my psychiatrist, she was like 60, you know, and I was like, this is good. This is good. I feel good. I like like having mother figures, I guess. (laughs) um, Are you still um, like talking to that therapist or did you just go for a little while? (laughs) No, it's fine. I mean, it's like everyone's has a different journey with it, you know, like 
there's no reason that someone has to be in therapy forever if they it's mm-hmm. not what they need. For yeah. me, I kind of like have a joke where I'm like, oh, I only take the car into the shop when it's making noise. Yeah. You know, so like I kind of bounce in and out of therapy depending on what I need, you know? Yeah. It, okay. So we talked on the phone, we set it up, it was great. We met on Zoom or whatever. And the first session was great because, you know, I had a problem. I was like, this is my problem. I've been going through anxiety. I have stress, da, da, da. And she really made me feel better. You know, she was like, it's okay to have feelings. That's what these are. They're not going to kill you. They're just feelings. And so feel them, you know, and we got to the root of a little bit where it's like, you haven't been able to feel all of your feelings a lot as an adult, blah, blah, blah. And so we got to that. And I liked that, you know, I was like, okay, these are things I never thought about. This is good. These are just feelings that reassures me. I'm not going crazy. I'm not going to end up like, you know, whatever. And so that made me feel good. And then the next session, I think I didn't, you know, with therapy, I've never done it before. And so I feel like it was just like this bit, not this woman knew nothing about me, you know? Sure. She's just still getting to know you. Yeah. So I was like, I didn't know what to talk about, you know? So I was like, let's go through it. And so I basically just told her all of my shit, you know, ever since I was a child, Uh you know, getting it all out there. And I think for me, I was like, well, I guess that feels okay, but. I think for me, what I wanted out of this therapy thing, I kind of got, but maybe not. But it was a thing of just like, I have a problem, help me solve it, you know? But I didn't know where to go that second or third time. So she wasn't guiding you? Because I feel like maybe, depending on who the therapist is, they could be more proactive and be like, okay, let's walk through what it feels like when you have an anxiety attack. Like, how can we work around that and how can we help you develop better habits or like that kind of thing yeah no I think it was just like well we it was literally like well we can talk about whatever you want to talk about you know and I was like well fuck don't put this on me I don't know yeah because you're you're a rookie she's a rookie or not if she you're the rookie not she's definitely not but um it's like you're a rookie you've never played basketball all of a sudden you're like oh you're gonna go start with the Lakers, I don't know, I'm not a sports person. I don't know why I started a sports metaphor. This went yes. quickly off the rails. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? It's like, you don't have all the tools yet because you had never even gone to therapy. So it's like, you need someone to kind of hold your hand to be like, hey, like, this is what I, I would like you to talk about. I think that's what I needed. I needed to be guided some way. Because otherwise it was just like, here's all my childhood trauma and here's what it up, blah, blah, blah. And here's where it got like, I was like, okay, I'm over this bitch. You know, where it was like, <laughs> I was talking to her. I was like, you know, I don't know my dad's side of the family. They're all in Mexico. I don't, you know, I never felt a connection with them. And now I'm in my thirties and I'm like, maybe I should, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, you should go to like a Mexican museum, you know, and look at Mexican art. I'm like, bitch, are you crazy? I'm I'm sorry. What? I, I cannot. So, okay, let's get, how is you going to a Mexican museum going to heal the fact that you're, dad is not a part of your life yeah exactly but i i I don't know that's where that's that's the exact moment where i was like this bitch is crazy i'm done you know but i still out of courtesy went the next time but i was just like huh 
a museum, then there's COVID. I'm not going to a museum. That's crazy. Even like, even if there wasn't, I would not want to go to a museum. Also very out of touch. It almost makes me feel like you would have had more success with someone who is Latinx or mm -hmm. like at least a part of some other culture Yeah, that isn't just like white bread American, mm -hmm. you know? I think so. I mean, that's what my friend was saying too, because she's like mixed and she wanted a black therapist, you know? And I was like, okay. But honestly, there's not a lot of Latino therapists out there. So it's like, you do have to dig a little bit harder. Mm -hmm. And the ones that are out there, I think there's a longer waiting list for them, you know, because they're, they are so far and few between, few and far between. But yeah, that's something to think about too. But yeah, so when she said that, I was just like, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> And yeah. then I got a dog, and then I was like, this is enough for me. Yeah. Actually, you know what's funny? I can't remember if I told the story on this podcast before. I don't think I did. There was um, this time I was shopping for therapists, and there was a, a woman who, uh, for lack of a better term, was just like a hipster therapist. Mm. Uh, I didn't end up going with her. I only went to one session and decided it wasn't for me. But mm -hmm. it was earlier this, I think, was it this year? It was last year when I was therapist shopping. And uh, I remember immediately when I first showed up, there was a place that like was said psychology on the outside. And I was like, oh, this is embarrassing. I don't want everyone to know that I'm going into therapy. And then uh -huh. when I went in, um, it was as if she had Google image searched like what to wear if you're mm -hmm. a therapist. And she, that's what she was wearing. She was wearing like two cardigans and five scarves and like these very oh, big great. glasses, young. Uh -huh. <laughs> Uh, and yeah, she just didn't know, she, it was a similar thing where she didn't give me enough direction. She just sat in front of me and said nothing. Like she didn't even yeah. introduce herself. And that's the thing too, where I would talk, I would say something and then I would finish my sentence and there would be dead air for maybe probably five seconds, you Ooh. know? And I was like, should I keep talking? Are you going to respond? You know? Yeah. And you know what it is? It's the performer in us because you're like me, like we, we do these things on stage and you're used to getting a laugh, getting some sort of reaction. And when you say something and someone just stares back at you completely silent, you're like, um, okay, did you hear me? Do you have an opinion? Yeah. Anything? Yeah. Because my thing was like, are you going to say anything? You know, because I thought <laughs> we're having a conversation, but she would just take a long time to respond. And I know that's not a huge thing, but it's just the thing that I noticed that I was just like, can you just talk? Um, and then- yeah. Time it was just like I knew it. I was just like, well, this is going to be our last meeting, and I think well, I like what you said of like you do have to shop around. Maybe she wasn't for me. Maybe I need a more a little bit more guidance. Somebody who's more proactive. Yeah, I mean, because it's like dating. Like last year when I was looking for a therapist, I remember I went to three different people. I like in advance. I think because I'm maybe I'm a little more seasoned. <laughs> <laughs> of a therapy <laughs> person, uh, where like I can even when I call. Uh, the voicemail of the person, a lot of times I'd prefer if they don't pick up and then I can listen to their outgoing right. voicemail and I can hear their voice. And uh -huh. a lot of times by their voice, I can tell like, do I get a good feeling or do I get an icky feeling from this person? Interesting. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. I'm weird. But mm. uh, so since that ended, how, how has it been for you? Like, what are you doing on a day-to-day -day basis? Is everything chill? It's good. Or now here is where I'm like, oh, I see. <laughs> I got a puppy, and so, like, I'm using that to distract myself. I mean, you know? that's great, though. I, I, I also have a dog. Yeah. 
I think, but it's it's working, you know, because I haven't had an anxiety attack since. I have, st- and I think it's a thing too of like it's part of my routine now. I now I have a very strict routine where I all I have to do is fucking take care of this dog. That's it, you know. Well, and you're every, working and working, but when I'm not working, every waking minute of the day, it's making sure he's not dying. You know, <laughs> I think that's helping me. You know, because now I'm not now I'm not just like sitting around with my thoughts, you know, now I actually have something to do. And I think that really, really is helpful. And the good thing that came out of having a therapist and a psychiatrist is I got a letter that I could have a dog as a emotional support animal. Yes. So my rent didn't go up. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. It's really, it's really great to have that. And even though, like, I think that some people will rail against the idea of having an emotional support animal because they're like, oh, you're lying. You don't actually need, it's like, actually, no, your dog is helping you yeah. with your mental health. And that's legit. Um, even though he's a little puppy and doesn't understand anything and probably doesn't really understand how to comfort you yet. Just him existing is, yes. is helpful. A hundred percent. I feel like I'm doing so much better, you know, because now I have something to, how, you know, take care of. And then I, I met with my psychiatrist a second time to check back in. Mm-hmm. And I told her all of this. And I was like, I, I was like, I like you. I like talking to you, you know. <laughs> but um, she was just like, I don't think this is necessary anymore. Goodbye, you know. But we were talking too. And she was like, well, would you ever want to have children? And I was like, I don't know. But, it, you know, it's a thing of like, well, now, I, you know, it's in your nature when you get to this age this old age of 30 that you want to nurture, you know, and you want to kind of have something to take care of. And it made a lot of sense. And I was like, well, this, yeah, this is making me feel a lot better in the grand scheme of things. Wait, so are you about to now announce on my podcast that you're pregnant? Are you no, about- <laughs> not yet. <laughs> no, I just, I was like, wow, Jesse's really growing up during quarantine. Mm-hmm. It's just about to have a baby. baby I don't know what's next. Kids, twins. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, isn't it, I thought I saw the other day, did Anderson Cooper is like a single dad by choice, I think, right? I like don't he know. Has, Sounds right. Yeah, like he has a baby I feel like now. Anderson Cooper could, he's like a millionaire. It's fucking hard enough raising a fucking dog by yourself. It's yeah. so crazy and so hard, but it's wor- It's good, it's worth it. But I, I don't think I'd ever have kids until I'm rich, honestly. It's so much. So it's a much. lot of money, yeah. No, yeah. dogs, I think, um, the good part about having a dog is that even though it is a lot of work with the potty training and everything, eventually it gets to a low maintenance point where you're just like, okay, got to feed you, got to walk you, give you yeah. some attention, chill. Although, um, oh, your dog's name, by the way, which you haven't shared on the podcast yet, is Little Jesse, which I think yes. is my <laughs> <laughs> Was it? It was like a joke name originally, and now it just stuck. Yeah, honestly, I was like, before I even got a dog, I was like, that'd be kind of funny to name your dog after you. And then I was like, I can't do that. I can't call the dog my name. And then on Instagram, I was just like, well, here's little Jesse. And then it kind of stuck, you know? And I was like, well, maybe I can rename him. But I just couldn't think of a better name. Well, it's on brand for you, honestly. I mean, you're the only person I know that can pull off having a phone case with your own headshot on it. Yes. <laughs> and uh, everyone's just, and including me, I'm like, yeah, 
that checks out. Yeah. But I would, I would never have the balls to do that. And I don't think it would make sense for me at all. (laughs) I have, I think three t-shirts with my, with my headshot on it. And then a button up with just my face on it. I, I probably sound crazy to all your listeners, but that's fine. Why do you mean? No, it's just part of your brand. I find it to be like, you're obviously very confident and very like, that's something that a lot of people would aspire to. I don't, I'm not confident enough to pull that off. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Yeah. It's a lot. Of, it's, Rhonda Rousey of all people has a really interesting quote about like confidence and arrogance. You know, she was like, well, how come I forget what the quote is, but it's basically like, why is my confidence seen as arrogance? I've worked really hard to be this confident and it shouldn't be turned against me or something like that. You know, and I'm like, same girl. Hashtag me too. <laughs> yes. Yeah, no, because it does take a lot of work to learn, to unlearn all the shit that society tries to tell you about yourself and also to learn like, oh yeah, I am great. And that's the only way I'm going to be able to achieve. Like you've achieved so much, in my opinion, and um, you've been able to climb your way up and be a staff writer on a show that's like actually a good show that's like getting renewed and all that stuff. And that's not easy. And you can't do that if you don't feel good about yourself. Exactly. So the, yeah, the phone cases and the shirts really worked. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody knows you should should try it. Really? So you think that's my next step? You know, maybe not. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, I'll try anything once, honestly. Cause I mean, I do, um, I do journaling, I do meditation, all like, get in on weird like witchy new moon rituals mm-hmm. uh i remember i had a candle for a while that i had gotten from house of intuition that i was lighting every day and saying affirmations about myself so that's good you know yeah it's a little whatever works honestly <laughs> yeah maybe you should yeah try it try it out try it on see if you like it <laughs> <laughs> um i was gonna ask you also because um we're getting towards the end and there's uh I apologize for springing this on you but you you used to do improv so who cares right um I like to do a thing at the towards the end where I ask my guest for some sort of like hot tip hot tip hot tip like when Jesse Esparza has a tough day like your dog has shat all over the apartment or like you turned in some idea like you tried to pitch some ideas on your show and it totally fell flat um what is something that you do for yourself that puts you back in a good mood great question thank you i do have an answer now whenever i'd ever feel bad or like i needed a (laughs) pick-me-up you can't do this you can i'd go to the americana or the grove and just like, just go or like to a mall or something and just like walk around and window shop and just go out. You know, that's what I, I would do that. You know, I, when I first moved out to LA, I lived at Hollywood and Highland, like right in the middle of the Walk of Fame. I think oh, I just crazy. like being, I like being around people, I think, you know, like that's the reason I moved out to LA, you know, from Sacramento because it's such a big city with all these people, you know? And so I like being in crowds, you know? Yeah. So I, I would always like to go to the Grove 
walk around the fountain, walk to, around the farmer's market, walk to the Barnes and Noble, or walk to, you know, walk around the Americana. But now you, you can still do that. It's just a lot less safe, you know? So now what I would suggest that's COVID friendly is just going for a nice drive. I did that a couple weeks or months ago. When I felt okay, what better. is time, honestly? Like, what yeah. is time? <laughs> yeah, I was like, a couple weeks, no, that's wrong. But a couple months ago, I went on just a drive. I just drove around LA. I went to Cal. I went to, I drove to uh, uh, Pacific Palisades just by going down the Sunset Strip. Sure. You know, and I ended up in Culver City, got a bagel, drove back through, you know, Crenshaw. And, it, you know, it was nice. You know, it was just nice to get out of the house and just to explore a little bit of LA. And I think that for me just puts me in a better mood for some reason. Oh yeah. No, I was, I've been doing that a lot uh, because sometimes you just want to see the ocean. Sometimes you just want some sort of change of scenery and you can people watch from your car. Yeah. And I, I, Cause I, I also love being around a lot of people. Um, when I was living in New York, I really thrived off of the energy of that city. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's certain areas of LA that are super walkable that you get that same kind of feeling. Um, so, and I like to watch people and make up stories about them. I find mm-hmm. that fun. Yeah. So, yeah, I think, especially if you're alone in your apartment, if you can go out and see people, even though you're not actually in the middle of the crowd, it feels less lonely. <laughs> yeah, I think so. You know, just seeing different parts of, LA that's not your apartment you know I think that it's just good to get out I think I love it I love it well um so you're still you're writing right now and on season three two season two sorry I've already predicted there will be a season three so that's thank you so much I hope I'm part of it (laughs) (laughs) yeah I mean I watched a few episodes and I really love it um I think what's so cool about it is that it and I, I, it's not, I'm not sure which episodes you have the most part to do with. So maybe you can let people know if there's a certain episode that you have more work in. But I, I love the way that they are able to really talk about stuff that is normally taboo. Where they're mm-hmm. like, yeah, this is what the white kids were like. This is what the black kids were like. And they both wanted me to be a certain way. But I'm just somewhere in the middle. And it's funny because little kids, especially, I love the kids on the show. Yeah. And I, I feel like they get some of the best one-liners. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, if you don't know, the show's about a mixed family in the 80s. White dad, black mom, three mixed kids in the 80s. Wasn't a thing. And so it's like a whole shell shock um, to them. Uh, I wrote episode 17 and I co-wrote the finale. So if you want to watch those, do it. <laughs> I'm going to go back and watch those now. Because I watched a few uh, a few of the first ones and then a few random ones for the second yeah. season. But I wrote part, not part, but I wrote a scene that I'm so proud of in the third episode. That's the hair episode. Did you see that one where like she oh, yeah. got her hair done for school? Uh-huh. It's the little girl where she's talking to the her her big sister and she's like, talking about her dad doing her hair and she's like I can't let that clown mess up my crown anymore and then I got the blow to the scene thank god where the sister's like you know dad tries really hard 
And the little girl's like, he's a clown, Rainbow. And I got the, <laughs> and then the scene ends. And I, that's the first thing that I ever, I think, wrote on the show. And it killed in the room. And it killed at the table read. And I was so proud of myself. And I was like, oh, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. Oh, that's so great. That. <laughs> like, what a special moment, too, to get that validation. Because yes. you already knew you were good. And you had been testing yourself at UCB for a long time but yeah. you're in this new arena and yeah. so to finally have them be like to get that like oh that's yeah. exciting yeah yeah exactly I think because it was quite a while into the room because writer, writers rooms are just so you just have to experience it to really know what it's like mm -hmm. you can hear a hundred people talk about it and it's just you're not going to know until you're there experiencing it but the first couple of weeks, maybe months, I didn't really talk a lot. And it's shocking, you know, but it's just, it's just a lot of, it's a hierarchy thing. And then it's a, you know, you're on the lowest rank of the totem pole or whatever. And you don't, you know, it's a, a family in the eighties wasn't born then a mixed family. I'm not mixed. It's about, you know, it's all this stuff that I don't have any input on. And so I, for the first couple of months was just like, Oh God, where do I fit in? But it wasn't until we started writing scripts and pitching jokes. And I was like, Oh, great. Got it. You know? And then yeah, that's where you've been doing that time. forever. You've literally been exactly. teaching people how to write forever. Yeah. And so, so I think w once that happened, especially specifically that scene that I just talked about happened, that's when I was like, Oh, I'm good. Let's do this. Some people are good at things that other people aren't good at, but this is all a learning experience. Let's go. And so I felt really good after that moment. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing that with me. And I'm going to go back um, and I'm going to try to grab that clip if, if I, you know, if they let me off of YouTube, <laughs> share it with people. Great. Um, that's great. Well, thank you for being here. Um, do you have any last nuggets of wisdom to share with any of the crying behind sunglasses, sunny listeners out there if if they're going through anything right now uh yes just i mean talk to people you know i was never the type i never want to burden anyone with what's going on with me i never wanted anyone to like feel bad for me or think that i'm going through something or feel differently about me but it's it's cliche you know but people are your friends especially are there to listen you know and so if you ever do have anything that you are going through always be okay with just talking because truly me just talking to people about these things puts took such like a weight off my shoulders you know yes. so i think it just starts with that even if it is just that i think that helps just be open and just talk about your problems and that's just literally getting it off of your chest and i think mm -hmm. that helps a lot that's beautiful well thank you so much jesse and um yeah Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you liked what you heard, please smash that subscribe button. Oh, God. Do I sound like a dumb YouTuber? Smash that button. It doesn't matter. Uh, leave a review, rate, share it with a friend. Or don't, you know, I'm not here to tell you how to live your life. Just just gentle suggestions, you know. And also, if you want to learn more about 
anything that we talked about in today's episode or you want to find that clip of the really great scene that Jesse wrote on Mixed-ish, all of that is going to be on cryingbehindpod.com. That's where I put all the episode guides. We are at Crying Behind Pod on all the social medias. I am and will continue to be Katie Dahl at K-A-T-Y-D-O-L-L-E on all the things. And if you want to join our private Facebook support group, that's facebook.com slash group slash cryingbehindpod. I guess that's all. I feel like this has been such a fun little episode and I'm just so appreciative to all of you. This podcast has given me such a sense of purpose and has been such a light in these dark times. And I hope that it is the same for you. So thank you. And next time you're sad, just throw on your sunglasses, take a walk outside, and remember, stay cool, stay present, stay sunny.